Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. For those of you who don't know Megabyte, we're a research firm and we track the corporate activity, strategic positioning and valuation of 2,000 of the UK's leading software, IT services, telecom services and digital businesses. The idea of this show every month is that I uh, summarise and try and pull together all of the key themes from the extensive research and data that we produce at Megabyte each month and pull out the key themes and extrapolate that to try and understand what the outlook looks like for the sector. Over the last month, the team at Megabyte has analysed over 160 individual uh, results, transactions and company conversations, uh, producing written content and proprietary data around those and um, to give you an example of the companies that uh, the team has spoken to over the last month, we've talked to Elite Group, to, uh, to Babel, Six Degrees, to Cyberfort, uh, NSEC, Access Group, Clarinet, uh, Modern Networks, Actuaris, Boxy, Cooth, and Digital, Unit 4, BJSS, Guestline, and many more. And uh, we produce uh, an extensive amount of uh, written news analysis on those uh, news articles, on those uh, news items, uh, company analysis, detailed company analysis on the companies we track, and market opinion pieces which, which focus on key trends in the market. We've recently looked at areas such as wealth and asset management software, customer, ex customer experience software, uh, uh, public sector cloud, um, and we're the guys are currently looking at areas such as the SAP channel, um, and uh, insurance software, and other parts of the market. So. Uh, all of this research is available to our subscribers uh, and we currently have over 230 subscribing organisations uh, across technology companies, private equity investors and advisors. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're a subscriber then uh, I recommend that you have a look at all of that research. In particular, I would, uh, I would highlight as well this month that we just published our quarterly uh, barometer reports. This is a re these are a real cornerstone of our research effort at Megabyte, and they, there's two reports each quarter, one on ICT and digital services, one on software and digital platforms, and each of those are accompanied by a webinar by the teams that produce those reports that summarize the key findings. And what they're really doing is looking at the, the trading outlook, uh, the corporate activity and valuations across the 50 or so, more than 50 actually, technology subsectors that we track at Megabyte, um, and pulling out the key themes and trends within those and also more broadly across the sector. So as I say, if you're a subscriber to our research, I strongly recommend you have a look at those. If you're not a subscriber, then uh, we'd love to hear from you if you think the research that we do might be useful to you. Go to megabyte.com and you can click on the request a demo at the top of the screen and our customer team will be very happy to help you out. So over the next 20 minutes or so, 20-25 minutes, what I plan to do as I do each month is walk through the, the, the key kind of areas of, of corporate activity within the, within the universe. Capital markets looking at share prices and valuations and, and, uh, and corporate activity. Uh, private capital looking at mid-market private equity, venture capital and growth capital. And then uh, last but not least, looking at M&A activity in the UK tech sector. But before I dive into all of that, just a quick view on the key takeaways this month. And um, after a slightly soggy March, um, April was actually a very strong month for capital markets uh, and share prices and valuations were strong across the board. Conversely, actually, in terms of corporate activity, it was a slightly quieter month. Uh, you'll remember that uh, March was a, a mad month for, for corporate activity in the UK market, particularly partly driven by the expectation of changes to CGT regulation, which never actually came. Um, uh, but that drove significant amounts of M&A uh, corporate activity and, and investment activity in the UK tech sector during March. 
and April I would describe as a more normal uh, month for corporate activity. We had we saw 44 M&A transactions down from 75 in March, but still up significantly from a very subdued 26 in April 2020. Uh, private capital there was 34 transactions again up significantly from from the uh, a year previously, but down on March. The dynamic there was really uh, continued kind of strength in in growth in venture capital, but lower deal volumes in in uh, mid market management buyouts and secondary buyouts. Um, and capital markets, we registered six transactions, uh, four of those are follow-on public offerings, two of them were IPOs. Uh, that's down from 12 a year ago, so seemingly lower activity, but just a very different dynamic. The, the, the corporate activity in the capital markets last year was really around fundraising to support COVID strategies or prevent, uh, you know, to solid, solidify balance sheets around COVID. This year is much more about IPO and follow-on public offerings for M&A and to support growth, so a very different dynamic. In terms of areas of, 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 of kind of heightened activity, very, very similar to how it's been for the last few months, really. Enterprise software and telecom services make up a significant chunk of deal, more than half, significantly more than half of the deal activity across the sector, those two peer groups, but also lots of activity in digital transformation in fintech and healthcare, health tech, which I think is really interesting, and I'll talk about that particularly in a venture and growth capital perspective. In terms of valuations, it's, it, there haven't been too many deals, transactions uh, to get our uh, teeth into in terms of understanding the, the, the trends within uh, private capital and M&A in valuations, but we continue to think that the, uh, the, the, the trend is positive. Uh, and that's supported by uh, actually very strong valuations in the capital markets. And while I'm talking about capital markets, the last key takeaway is continued strength in the IPO market. Despite some difficulties with the Deliveroo and uh, Darktrace IPOs uh, over the last few weeks, I'll talk a bit about that during the show, um, but also why I think that actually the problems with those two companies are not symptomatic of what's going on in the underlying IPO market and the fact that we've continued to have a pretty positive outlook, a very positive outlook about uh, the UK IPO market in the tech sector. So those are the key takeaways this month, um, and we'll talk in the next section about what's happening in the capital markets. So turning our attention to the capital markets and what's been going on with share prices, valuations and corporate activity in the capital markets. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it was a really strong month for capital markets. The broader market, the technology sector in the UK, the technology sector in the US, all performing well during April. The Megabyte Universe Index of 100 or so uh, UK listed technology stocks that we track at Megabyte was up over 5% during April. And the valuation thereon, interesting, was up thereon was interestingly up significantly in April to 18 and a half times. There are some specific data points in there with a couple of uh, individual companies increasing significantly because returning, returning estimates, et cetera. But fundamentally a strong performance on valuations. In terms of share prices, strong both in software and in ICT services, although we're still seeing ICT services outperforming software at the moment, and both of those areas of the market in the UK saw an increase in their valuations, significantly in, in software, as I said, some, some specific data points driving that, but also underlying improvement in valuations. The, uh, the software side of our index trading on 23 times, 23 and a half times current year EV EBITDA, and um, ICT and digital services up to just under 15 times in the month. So strong valuation uh, performances in the UK tech sector. Uh, for context, the UK market, as measured by the FTSE 250, was up 2.5%, 2.3% in, in April, so a strong underlying market performance. And in the US, the NASDAQ, uh, tech-heavy NASDAQ, was up 5%. And the 
um, venture, Bessemer Venture Partners Cloud Index, which I'm going to talk about going forward in the show because I think it's another interesting comp. Uh, this is a, 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 an index that's uh, primarily US listed, primarily SaaS companies. That was up 6.7% in April. So an inter another interesting data point. So a broadly very strong market for the uh, month for the capital markets. Looking at corporate activity on the capital markets here in the UK, uh, there were four smallish uh, follow-on public offerings from companies we track at Megabyte, Crimson Tide, Beats Financial, uh, uh, um, uh, Sirium and PCI Pal, all raising a few million pounds uh, each for working capital and various other reasons. Um, the IPO market continues to be strong here in the UK. Um, small payments, uh, small IPO called Cornerstone FS in the payment space. Um, a very big IPO effectively through a SPAC, and I'll talk about that in a minute, Lumira DX in the uh, health tech uh, um, in terms of diagnostics getting a big bump from, from COVID in, in that sense. I'll talk about that in a minute. And although not on our, added to our database because it's still in, in uh, grey market trading, Darktrace, uh, the, the most high profile IPO, IPO by, some, by some way uh, over the last uh, few months, along with Deliveroo, and I'll talk about what uh, that uh, means for the sector later on. But Darktrace came to the market at 1.7 billion valuation, roughly half what the original expectation was, but it did get a 30 plus percent pop in its share price on day one, which I think is significant. And I will talk about why I think that's significant in a minute. More broadly, the IPO market, incredibly strong start to the year. I was very interested to read in the Financial Times some Dealogic data talking about Q1 uh, 2021 being significantly stronger in terms of the number of IPOs globally compared to uh, Q1 2000, uh, which as those of you who are old and grey like me will remember was the peak of the dot-com bubble. And the numbers are very striking actually. Uh, Dealogic recorded 875 IPOs in the UK in the global IPOs uh, in Q1 of this year compared to uh, 592 in Q1 of the year 2000. So a significant increase over the previous high. And uh, you know we talked in this show quite a lot in the last few months about the possibility for coming into bubble territory. And I just think that's a fascinating data point when you know for the tech sector, uh, you, you know. Um, uh, the beginning of 2000, I was working in the capital markets at the time, and it was mayhem. It was, it was, it was the, the biggest peak of the tech sector, certainly in living memory, and, and we're getting more IPOs now uh, than we were then. So I think that's significant. So getting back to the IPO market, uh, more specifically in the tech sector, both here and in the US, and talk a little bit about SPAC. So. Uh, just a reminder, I've talked a lot about this over the last few months. These are special purpose acquisition companies, uh, basically uh, blank check companies as they're called. They are listed with a, uh, a, an amount of money uh, and then they raise more money typically later uh, to go and acquire a business at some point within two years. And they have to do it within two years, otherwise they're required to give uh, the money back to their shareholders. And actually some of the early shareholders, warrant holders, tend to lose all of their money, which is something that's not widely understood, I don't think. A uh, number of reasons why uh, th those have been, it's been a frenzy of activity for SPACs over the last really sort of 12 or so months. Uh, that's cooled significantly over the last few weeks, uh, partly just because I think it had got a bit crazy and partly because the SEC has introduced some more stringent regulations around how they value their warrants. Um, so we're seeing fewer of those coming through now, but interestingly we are, there's a, there's a bow wave of, of, of money still there from the ones that have the hundreds of, of SPACs that have, have IPO'd in the last 12 months. And we've seen further evidence of that in uh, impacting the UK 
uh, IPO market, if you like, corporate activity market. I talked last month about Kazoo, Alex, the Alex Chesterman vehicle that is disrupting the secondhand car market in the UK. That is in the process of going to an, a SPAC and an $8 billion deal. And I mentioned a minute ago, Lumira DX, which is a, a diagnostics and, and healthcare platform that has had a massive um, boost from uh, COVID because it's got some solutions around COVID testing. Uh, that is in the process of going in a $5 billion deal uh, to a US SPAC as well. So these, although the number of IPOs might be reducing, I think that's probably going to continue to be the case. Um, uh, going forward, there's a, this, as I say, this bow wave of SPAC money that's still making its presence felt in the UK market. So I promise just in conclusion when we're talking about capital markets to, to comment on what I think and what we think at Megabyte the outlook is for the UK IPO market from a tech sector perspective and why I think that and we think that the issues with Dark Trace and, and Deliveroo are not impacting the underlying sentiment within the UK IPO market. You know, delivery we talked about last month, uh, you know, that was that was a business that has uh, question marks over its business model and a very high valuation came to the market and then the shares dropped 30, 40% on day one and they're still 30% below their IPO price. So definitely not what you would consider to be a successful IPO. Dark Traces, as I mentioned earlier, sort of slightly the other way around. They've cut the valuation back substantially from the original expectations, came to the market in the end at 1.7 billion sterling valuation. That was roughly half, less than half than the original mooted valuation and well below the formal range they'd announced a, pre a few weeks previously to that. And, um, and we think at about nine times trailing revenue. So not a, not, a, not a poor multiple by any means, but significantly lower than some of the other cyber stocks out there, particularly in the US um, and significantly lower than they'd hoped. Um, but the, the key point there is that the, uh, that the shares popped 30%, 40% on day one and are still trading well above their IPO price, which I think is what people may end up remembering Dark Trace for more than the fact they cut the valuation range, especially if the trading performance of the company um, impresses over the next year to two and it justifies that. Still quite high valuation. But probably more fundamentally for me is, in terms of the health of the IPO market, you've got to look at some of the less high-profile IPOs to, to see why they're why I think the market's still buoyant. Um, ActiveOps was a B2B software company that listed uh, recently. Their shares are trading 26% above the IPO price. Uh, Trustpilot's trading 20%, 18% above its IPO price. And Bytes Group, which listed a few months ago, is trading at 80% above its IPO price. So there's still some very good returns to be had from the, these, these sort of the, the main bulk of the number of IPOs coming through. And I think that's more important for underlying sentiment. So we think the IPO market's still strong. We're going to continue to see IPOs coming through. We still talk of Pension B coming. That's formalized more in the last few weeks. Um, uh, uh, Babylon Health could go to a SPAC. We don't know. That's talking about IPO as is wise, formally transfer wise. So we think that's going to, the, 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 the train's going to continue to roll. Um, uh, as long as the, uh, the performance of most of these IPOs, the share price performance post-IPO remains to be strong. So that's a quick comment on the outlook, quick canter through what's been happening in capital markets. We'll talk in the next section about what's happening in private capital. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it, uh, it was a busy month for, for private equity and uh, venture capital, but um, quieter than, than, uh, than, than March, which was a, an outstanding month, particularly for private equity. Uh, we actually saw a significant reduction in private equity, mid-market private equity deals, um, but actually pretty resilient in, in growth of venture capital, as we've seen really across the last 12 months. Touching first then on, on private equity, looking at the mid-market, uh, three MBOs, one SBO, one, pub, uh, one public to private deal, interestingly, and I'll come back to talk about that. We haven't seen many of those of late. Uh, within the uh, management buyouts, 
uh, very much an ICT services story, uh, management buyouts from uh, Quickline Communications, modern networks going to Horizon, and uh, Hippo Digital in the digital transformation space uh, going to Growth Capital Partners. And um, one secondary buyout, as I mentioned, after a very, very busy period in, uh, in, in March, but a very interesting deal actually, a company called Dex, used to be called Receipt Bank. Um, and this is a business that does uh, provides automation technology for receipts and other documentation to um, transport them directly into typically SME accounting systems such as uh, QuickBooks, Xero and Sage. It's been a real darling of the venture capital investors over the last few years, done really, really well as a VC-backed business. But interestingly, rather than carrying on the late-stage VC, uh, VC uh, funding rounds or going to IPO or going to a trade sale, it's moved into the private equity world, which actually doesn't happen very often. So um, it, was in, it was acquired by HG Capital, uh, as you would all know, is a, uh, is, is, is a leading uh, uh, buyout house in the tech sector with a real specialism in enterprise software. So uh, an obvious deal for HG in that sense, but a less obvious deal in the sense that it's moving from venture capital into private equity. And it just made us wonder, uh, chatting across the desk at this, uh, about this at Megabyte, that whether we might see a bit more of this within, particularly within enterprise software, but other parts of the market where we might start to see some of the VC businesses uh, VC-backed businesses moving into private equity as they get a bit more mature and presumably move near or into profit uh, because the PE guys are also sort of desperate for deal flow and it's so competitive in the mid-market space where there is a pretty finite group of assets. So that was a really, as well as being an interesting deal in itself, we think about a 400 million valuation, uh, a, a very interesting deal from that perspective as well. I talked a bit about there being a P2P. Uh, this was a business called Proactis. We've seen almost no P2Ps in the last few months because private equity uh, public company valuations are riding high and that's not typically what you need when uh, you, not, is not typically conducive to, to, uh, to, to public to private transactions. Practice is a slightly different um, a story because it was a very troubled public company over the last few years, uh, engaged in a significant merger with a business called Perfect Commerce back in 2017, accompanied by a 70 million uh, equity fundraise and quite a lot of debt going in there as well. Very long story short, the merger didn't work um, and the business traded very badly and that was compounded by the, the amount of leverage on the balance sheet. The equity should the shares drop to 23p, having raised money in 2017 at 165p, and Pollen Capital has now come in and is taking it private at 75p, uh, valuing it at about 70 million for the equity and uh, another 50 million roughly for the debt, about two and a half times um, EV sales. So not your typical P2P in the sense that it's more of a kind of rescue take private, if that makes sense, but an interesting transaction nevertheless. Um, in venture and growth capital, as I said earlier, much more robust in terms of deal volumes, uh, 29 deals on our database, uh, raising um, over half a billion dollars, pounds, sorry, um, in the month, up from 22 deals in the same period last year. And the very similar trends to what we've seen in the last few months. And four kind of key areas I'd pick out. Um, one is really around fintech, uh, ongoing, you know, very strong area of growth for particularly late stage venture capital. Two meaningful fundraisers from the, uh, the neo banks, from Atom and Starling during April, uh, but also a bunch of fundraisings in payments. Um, enterprise software continues to be, as it is across all of the areas of the market, as I've mentioned, a very strong area of focus for uh, for um, for the venture capital community and uh, uh, several deals, I think uh, five deals across enterprise in uh, enterprise, sorry, eleven deals in enterprise software in the venture capital growth capital space uh, just in just just in April alone. So over a third of the deals uh, in in venture and growth capital were in enterprise software in April, 
and across the piece really uh, you know uh, in terms of information management and and uh, and various other areas of the market still very uh, very strong uh, deal flow going into those um, uh, yeah, interestingly, very interestingly, also looking at health tech, which is a, a trend we talked about quite a bit. And there's been a number of very interesting, couple of significant Series Bs in health tech, and we see that really uh, driving forward as a as a, as, a, as a, an area of substantial growth for uh, venture growth capital going forward. Given what's happened in in the in the market, you know, I talk a lot about digital transformation on this show, and there are fewer areas of the market, perhaps in no areas of the market, where digital transformation is going to be more significant over the next few years than in the healthcare industry. So the venture capital guys are all over that, as you'd expect. Lastly, it's not just around software within uh, within venture and growth capital. Uh, there is there is some uh, some money going into the ICT and digital services sector. More what I would call growth capital than venture capital. Uh, I'd highlight and digital, uh, which is a, a digital transformation IT consulting business that was invested in by BGF during April, and three telecom services deal, particularly around telecoms infrastructure, internet infrastructure, which is which is obviously sucking up a lot of uh, capital uh, just generally across the piece, um, fiber infrastructure, etc. Uh, and it's no different uh, in, in in growth capital as well. So there is some. There is some venture and growth capital going into ICT and digital services, um, um, but it's still very much dominated by the software uh, part of the market. So that's a quick canter through the deal flow in in uh, in April in, in private capital, uh, very strong in growth and capital uh, growth and uh, venture capital, as I said. You know, more normal, I would say, in mid-market private equity, and we're already seeing some interesting deals in May. So we're continuing. We expect to see. Continuing, continuing strong deal flow in uh, in this part of the market going forward for all the reasons I talk about almost every month on this uh, on this show. Uh, wall of private equity money coming through, um, uh, and 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 uh, you know great underlying growth dynamics and increasingly good growth dynamics across the piece in uh, in the technology sector, particularly to do with accelerated digital transformation, is creating kind of a perfect storm in terms of deal volumes and also valuations. Not too much in terms of not too much to say in terms of data points or new data points for valuation, particularly in mid-market private equity during April. But our view continues to be that uh, that um, valuations certainly are higher than they were pre-COVID in most parts of the market, um, and are at least stable and probably still ticking up slightly um, across the sector in most parts of the sector. So that's a quick, uh, quick overview of what's happening in private capital. I'll round up the show this month uh, in the next section talking about what's happening in M&A. So last but definitely not least in this month's show, um, looking at M&A activity during April. And as I said at the top of the show, it was it was a quieter month in April. And I would say characterize it by a, a return to more normal deal flow. We saw 44 transactions, um, uh, M&A transactions during April. That was uh, down from a bumper month of 75 uh, during March, uh, as I talked about earlier. But it was almost double the 26 that we saw in, in the year ago month in April 2020. And I think uh, you know that was obviously that deal flow in that period was obviously significantly uh, impacted by COVID. So a, a return to some normality, I would say. We typically think 40, 50, maybe 60 deals is is normal deal flow for us in the UK tech sector. Roughly balanced evenly between software and ICT services. 24 ICT services deals, 20 software deals, and the vast majority of the deal flow during uh, during April was around bolt-on acquisitions, relatively small bolt-on acquisitions for the most part, with only one significant transaction, 100 million uh, plus transaction, which was White Clark, and I'll come back and talk about that a little later on. 
So I thought it was interesting, given that it was really around bolt-ons, to talk about how, you know, what are the drivers of those bolt-ons and give a few examples. So within ICT and digital services, kind of four things I would pick out really, over and above the, the general desire for scale, particularly in areas uh, such as telecom services, where buying customer bases is a well-established strategy to build scale. Um, uh, firstly, really looking at digital transformation, and this is, you know, really around IT consulting skills within digital transformation, and, and th there are um, businesses of some scale delivering very high returns for a lot of their, uh, for the most part, for their private equity investors uh, in this part of the market. But there are also smaller businesses that are getting acquired by uh, either telecom services and infrastructure services businesses typically that want to acquire those skills to increase their capability around digital transformation or larger digital transformation businesses um, and building scale by buying smaller versions of themselves or similar versions of themselves. <clears throat> so, um, you know, that continues to be a driver uh, both in terms of private equity transaction or transactions of the larger players, but also uh, M&A activity where people are bolting on, as I say. And an example I would use in uh, quite a big bolt-on actually, actually was Insono acquiring um, Amido in, in April. This was what we think was about a 50 million uh, pound acquisition. And Insono more in the infrastructure space buying uh, Amido more in the kind of IT consulting uh, digital transformation space. So, and, and we've seen many of those um, uh, type deals in the last few months. Secondly, really looking at convergence, and this has been a, obviously a massive theme for, for a long time in, in, in IT and telecom services. I talked last month about content and cloud buying Sipcom. We thought that was a quite, a quite an interesting deal from the point of view that it was the first time we'd really seen, uh, well, not the first time, but a significant deal where IT, IT services was buying telecom services. Typically, it had previously been the other way around. And we saw another smaller deal this uh, this month. Kick ICT are buying Clyde Solutions, which we felt, <coughs> excuse me, was a was another good example of that of that kind of trend. Thirdly, cybersecurity pervasive in the sector, and really very large numbers of uh, companies in ICT services would really want to have cybersecurity services um, of all the fl different flavors as part of their kit bag. And we're seeing M and A as a as a very uh, clear strategy of building those capabilities. And I would, uh, I would uh, highlight Performanta acquiring identity experts in, in April as an example of that. And interestingly, the last two deals I've talked about, Performanta and uh, Kick ICT, are also examples of the fourth kind of key th theme in terms of driving ICT services uh, M&A activity, and that's around product. And in those two cases, it was around Microsoft. Both of those had a Microsoft flavor to them, as did, funnily enough, Content and Cloud and Sipcom last month or the previous month. And, you know, just Microsoft, uh, is so pervasive in the sector now across so many parts of its product portfolio, you, you know, that 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 uh, the, the requirement for those skills is so high that it's driving significant MA activity in many different ways across the sector. But it's not just uh, Microsoft, SAP is also uh, it's been very active in the SAP channel um, over the last few months, primarily larger consultancies like Accenture buying uh, some of the more specialist skills, uh, but also mergers of equals going on in, in, in that part of the market. And by the way, just to mention that my colleague James Priest is just about to publish a, a really excellent piece of research on the SAP channel here in the UK. He's uh, spent a lot of time with quite a lot of the uh, the major players in the SAP, specialist SAP players in the channel. Uh, so if you're a subscriber, keep an eye out for that. It's coming out quite soon. So those that's a sort of a, an overview of what's driving bolt-on activity and, and M&A activity more generally in ICT services as I see it. In software, a lot of the, you know, the majority, the majority, around half of the deal flow continues to be an enterprise software and eight of the 20 deals we saw in, in, uh, in April in, in software were in, were in, were in enterprise software. 
two main drivers there as I see it over and above the driver for, for scale in itself, which I don't think is particularly a driver in its, in its own right in enterprise software. It's primarily around uh, building product portfolio on the one hand and building vertical market exposure on the other. And there's no better example of this than Access Group, I think, and that's been the, the sort of the main uh, pillars of its strategy over the last few years. Two more deals from them during April. Um, you know, they acquired um, Easy in the payment space to build their capability in that part of the market. And they also acquired a business called CPL, uh, which extended their capabilities into the hospitality market. So two good examples from Access there of what I'm trying to demonstrate. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, there was a significant M&A activity elsewhere in the sector, and I talk about, uh, talked about White Clark. This is a, a, one of the UK, and actually globally, one of the leading uh, software players in the lease asset leasing market, competes directly with Alpha Financial Software on the UK uh, listed business. And uh, that was acquired, stroke merged with IDS, one of the big players, US-based players, and uh, Five Arrows, the, the private equity investor in White Clark, has rolled into uh, that new entity. So quite an interesting deal there. We think about 165 million in terms of valuation for that deal, and that represents around a mid to high teens uh, EV EBITDA multiple, which we think is broadly where uh, valuations are at at the moment for uh, for high quality but not particularly high growth uh, uh, software assets, uh, and uh, and uh, you know an interesting an interesting yet another data point, albeit an estimate uh, in in that uh, in that part of the market. So that leads me on to talk about valuations. As you will have gathered, there's not been a huge number of data points for us to really get our teeth into in terms of M&A valuations uh, during April. Um, but our underlying view, as I've expressed already in the show, is that valuations are uh, broadly higher than they were pre-COVID and at least stable and probably still ticking up slightly. So that's it for this month. Um, just before I go, I want to just highlight again the, um, the quarterly barometers, the reports and the associated webinars the team have just published. Strongly recommend that you have a look at those uh, if you are a subscriber. And if you're not, as I said, and you think that the research that we do uh, might be useful to you, please get in touch. Um, I'm sure the guys will share a sample of the barometer report if that's a specific area of interest for you and, and be able to tell you more generally about uh, what we do at Megabyte and why we have already over 200 subscribers. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. I hope that was useful again this month and I look forward to seeing many of you, hopefully all of you again next month. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.